Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning. And we ask that as we uh, consider Jesus and uh, consider the question, was he a real man, that you would uh, give us understanding, that you would guide us into your truth. And we ask, Lord, that uh, you would help us to be people who give you the honour and the glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. An article published in the Washington Post in 2014 uh, says there are clearly good reasons to doubt Jesus' historical existence. And in the article, the author uh, then dismisses all the evidence that does exist for Jesus being real and then concludes that Jesus wasn't a real person. And this is a popular view. Uh, Craig Blomberg, he's a New Testament scholar, uh, he makes the observation an inordinate number of websites and blogs make the wholly unjustified claim that Jesus never existed. But it's not just on the internet that people are making this claim. It's real everyday Australians. In the pub on a Friday afternoon or at school pickup this week, if you were bold enough uh, to ask around, you would find people who doubt that Jesus was a real person. According to recent research, every second person would either claim that Jesus didn't exist or doubt that he did. Uh, John Dixon, a well-known Christian historian, uh, in the ABC last year wrote an article and he titled the article, Most Australians Doubt Jesus Was a Real Person. And he was, in that article he reported on an NCLS survey that found 22% of people agreed that Jesus is a fictional or mythical character. And 29% said they don't know if Jesus lived. Only 49% said that Jesus was real. A large portion of Australians aren't convinced that Jesus lived. So is there a good reason to believe this? Or is there more to it? You know, it's interesting as we think about the historical characters of history, no one is saying that Caesar Augustus, the Roman ruler, that he didn't exist, or that Plato, the philosopher, that he didn't exist. And then another question this raises is, well, does it matter if Jesus existed or not? In our post-truth age, where as long as what you believe makes you feel good and keeps you happy, does it matter if Jesus was real? Some guy who lived 2,000 years ago, you know, surely in lots of people's minds it's not relevant to our progressive 21st century where we live as if we do not need God. Well, today we're going to look at the historical evidence for Jesus and we're going to see why it matters uh, to us here this morning and to every Aussie. So let's look at this, question, this first question. Was Jesus real? Most people who don't believe that Jesus is real actually haven't done their homework. It's not based on evidence. It's based more on the vibe of the thing. Uh, there's a disconnect uh, between the view that Jesus wasn't real and the actual evidence. And uh, John Dixon in his article says this. He says, This reported majority view that Jesus didn't exist is not shared by the overwhelming consensus of university historians specialising in the Roman and Jewish worlds of the first century. If Jesus is a mythical or fictional character, that news has not yet reached the standard compendiums of secular historical scholarship. And the reason why? 
is because the evidence for Jesus being real is really quite strong. Uh, let's have a look. Now, most of the evidence that we're going to look at now has been collated in this book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Uh, it's, a, it's a helpful book, and if you want to look through it after the service, you're welcome to. And first we're going to look at evidence that is not in the Gospels. And there are two pieces uh, that Jesus was real from non-Christians. Uh, the first is Tacitus. Uh, Tacitus was a Roman historian. Uh, he lived between AD 56 and 120 and is generally considered the greatest Roman historian by Robert Van Voost. And Tacitus wrote about Christians in the time of Nero, and this quote should come up on the screen. He wrote, Therefore, to squelch the rumour, Nero created scapegoats and subjected to the most refined tortures those whom the common people called Christians, hated for their abominable crimes. Their names come from Christ, who during the reign of Tiberius had been executed by the procurator Pontius Pilate. Now Tacitus, as he writes this, notice he's, he's not particularly friendly towards Christians. He calls what Christians do abominable crimes. But... He does note that the name Christian comes from Christ who was killed by Pontius Pilate. Tacitus thought that Jesus was a real person. Uh, the second uh, evidence comes from Flavius Josephus. He was a politician, a soldier, a historian who lived around AD 37 to 100. And his credentials, uh, he is the single most important Jewish historian of the ancient world. And he writes, Festus was now dead. And Albinus was back up on the road, so he assembled the Sanhedrin of judges and brought before them the brother of Jesus, who was called Christ. His name was James and some others, and he delivered them to be stoned. And what we see there is James being called the brother of Jesus, who was called Christ. Flavius is recognising that Jesus was a real person. Uh, there's another one from uh, uh, Josephus, and uh, this one is... Uh, a bit more challenged, a bit more attested in history, but uh, here it is. At this time there appeared Jesus, a wise man, and when Pilate, because of an accusation made by the leading men among us, condemned him to the cross, up until this very day the tribe of Christians named after him has not died out. Now even though that is, parts of that have been challenged, the general consensus among historians is that there is enough in this passage to confirm that Josephus thought that Jesus was a real person. There are other evidences of Jesus being real from non-biblical sources that aren't quite as strong, uh, from people who had no interest in supporting Christianity whatsoever. Uh, there is Suetonius, who mentions Christ's followers being expelled from Rome, or Pliny the Younger, a Roman ruler, who mentions Christians singing to Christ as if he were a god, referencing Jesus as a real person. But our best evidence that Jesus was a real person is actually in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In the Gospels, we have the genealogy of Jesus. We have the record of Jesus' birth, the record of his life, what he did, who he talked to, how he conducted himself. Uh, we have in the Gospels a historical record of his death, how he died as a criminal before Rome. And the Gospel writers, while they were writing to make a point, they don't change history to make it more glorified. They report the life of Jesus in a way that only someone seeking the truth will report it. They highlight the ugliness of themselves so that they can show Jesus' story. 
They don't change Jesus' story to make it more attractive. Uh, Here's one example. Uh, When they report the empty tomb, it's women who go and discover the empty tomb. And in the first century, if they wanted to make that account more legitimate, more uh, palatable for the people around, they would have made it men who went and found the empty tomb. But they kept it as women because that is what happened. Now, you might hear this and think, well, can we really trust the Gospels? And that is a question we're going to look at next week in detail. And we'll follow how the Gospels came from the first century to us. And we'll think about what that means for us as we read them today. But I'm going to give you a heads up and a bit of a spoiler for next week. Is that the Gospels are the most historical, reliable documents that we actually have. And they testify to Jesus being a real person. As John Dixon writes, when you apply the normal rules of history to Jesus of Nazareth, this figure is plainly a historical one, not a mythical one. The early and diverse sources we have put his existence, and much more, beyond reasonable doubt. Perhaps only 49% of Australians reckon Jesus was a real person, but I wager 99% of professional ancient historians, atheists, Christian, Jewish, or whatever, would agree this is a minority view. Or Craig Blomberg again, he says, Biblical scholars and historians who have investigated this issue, whether Jesus was not real, in detail, are virtually unanimous today in rejecting this view, regardless of their theological or ideological perspectives. Historically, the only reasonable position for us to take is that, yes, Jesus was real. And so if you're here today and you're still thinking, I'm not convinced about Jesus being real, can I encourage you to look at the evidence? John Dixon has written some great stuff about Jesus being real. The book I mentioned before lists all the evidence in much more detail than I just went through. Let the truth of the situation convince you. Now, what could you say if you find yourself in a conversation and someone offhandedly says Jesus wasn't real or that he's made up or that he's a fairy tale? Maybe when you're at school pickup or a book club or at work laying concrete. Here are some suggestions. You could ask why they think that. Asking questions is a really helpful way of understanding where a person is at. It'll also help you to know if the person has really thought deeply about why they think uh, what they believe or if they've just read one of those blogs on the internet. If you happen to remember all of the evidence, that's great. You could ask the person if they'd be happy to hear the evidence for why you think Jesus is real. More likely, though, you're a bit like me, and then on the spot, the evidence just isn't going to roll off the tongue. It might be more helpful to say something like, that's interesting. Did you know lots of people actually believe that today, that Jesus isn't real? But did you know that most historians, like 99% of historians, would say that Jesus is real? And if you're brave and a follower of Jesus, and we all should be brave, uh, you could also add, and you know, I'm a Christian, And I follow Jesus, and I wouldn't be following some made-up fairy tale. It's one of these situations where you can use the truth of history to help you share the good news of Jesus. So now our second question. We've established that Jesus is real. Why does it matter? And to answer that, we do need to look at the Gospels. The Gospels not only record the life of Jesus for us, but they tell us why he came. Uh, we had 
the reading, John chapter 1, 1 to 14. It'd be good if you've got your Bibles there, open up to John chapter 1. Uh, when I first became a Christian, this is one of my favourite parts of the Bible uh, because of the picture that it gives us of Jesus. And in this passage, we learn that Jesus existed as a real person, but also that he was more than human. He was the Word become flesh. Uh, the title, The Word, uh, here in John, is a way of talking about the second person of the Trinity, the, the Son. And see what it says in John 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. What a picture. God the Word, God the Son, the one who spoke in the sun and the moon and the stars and the earth, all came into being. The one who is with God and is God, he is the one who gives us life. In verse 4, in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. What a picture. Think of a, a sports field at night. You know how they have those really powerful bright lights that just light up the place so it kind of feels like it's daylight? Imagine Jesus doing that for the whole world. That is the picture that we're given here in John chapter 1. But to truly understand this picture, we do actually need to know that there is darkness in our world. There is darkness because humanity, which was created by God to be in relationship with God, rejected God. We were created to look to God for our provision, our sustenance, our purpose, our hope. But as it's recorded in Genesis 3, humanity stopped looking to God for their provision, sustenance, purpose and hope. Turned away from him in an act of rebellion, disobeying God's good command. And the response from God was judgment. Humanity was cursed with death. A darkness. A constant reminder that we have looked for our provision and our sustenance, purpose and hope. Not in looking up to God but looking to ourselves and looking to the world around us. And this rebellion, this judgment, separates us from God. But God loved us. He so loved the world. He didn't want the death that he determined as a just judgment to have the last word. And so he sent the word to come and dwell with us as a man. And he really was a man. He slept, he ate, he got hungry, he had the full range of human emotions from sadness to anger to empathy and compassion to joy and happiness. He enjoyed a good celebration. It was Jesus who turned water into wine. But he also wouldn't put up with double-minded people. When he died on the cross, he bled, he suffered, when the officials declared him dead, they speared him in the side and his blood and water poured out, showing he indeed was a man. No one thought when Jesus was on trial that they were crucifying God, the word who made and sustains the universe. He was human through and through. He lived in a body of death, a body that was going to die, just like ours. But there's one big difference. He was without sin. Jesus was sinless. He never rebelled against God. Now, someone from our congregation put me onto a reading of what Athanasius has to say about Jesus being a man. 
And uh, this is a guy who wrote about 1,600 years ago. And Athanasius used this analogy to help his readers to understand how Jesus could be sinless. Uh, He used the analogy of the sun. When the sun shines light on the earth, the sun's rays, they light the world, but they don't defile the sun. I even talks about how the sun can bring uh, to our world, uh, make our world better and purer. I think maybe like washing. You know, when you put washing out in the sun, it's always better than if you put it in a dryer or let it dry in the air conditioning inside. There's something, there's a, there's a crispness and a freshness about it. Well, Athanasius uses that to say, well, Jesus, the one who made the sun in all its glory, is not defiled when he takes residence in a human body. In fact, he quickens it and cleanses it. Jesus was without sin, without rebellion. There's a proverb of Solomon that asks, Who can say, I have kept my heart pure, I am clean and without sin? And the answer is, only Jesus. And it was necessary, for as we keep reading in John, John was going to make it possible for humans caught in sin to be forgiven. He came into the world in verse 9, and then in verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. See, Jesus' death as a human defeated the curse of death. Jesus actually made death look really, really silly. He died, but then three days later he came back to life. It's like, what what power of death do you have over Jesus? Well, none. And Jesus extends that power to us. No longer does death have full reign, but the curse has been broken. Jesus made it possible for the darkness in us to be forgiven by God so that instead of being injected from the Garden of Eden, we're welcomed into his family as children. We become new people born of God. And this happens when we believe in Jesus. And it could only happen because in verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He is the one who brings us grace and truth. So why does it matter that Jesus was real and that Jesus was human? Well, without Jesus dying a human death on a cross and rising to life with his human body, we too could not defeat death. Death would still reign. We could not become part of God's family. We could not have our sins forgiven. Christianity would be based on a fairy tale if Jesus wasn't a real person. We would have no hope but we can know that he was real. We can know that we can, through Jesus, we can have a very real relationship with God. See, it's not just enough to believe that Jesus was real. We also have to believe that he is the word become flesh, God himself entering our world to forgive us. See, if you end up having that conversation with the person who says that Jesus isn't real, And if you do manage to convince them that Jesus is real, that's great. But don't leave it there. Encourage them to come and meet the real Jesus. The Jesus who can bring them into God's family and make them God's children.
a majority of Australians don't believe that Jesus is a real person. It might not be historically accurate, but it is safe. You can say, the majority of people are on my side. I've got public opinion on my side. But I think the reason, real reason that it's, people think it's a safe place is because it means that they don't have to take the real Jesus seriously. If Jesus wasn't real, you don't have to take his words or his teachings or his life or his followers seriously. It's safe because you don't need to change because Jesus is not going to challenge you. You don't need to take the Bible seriously. To hold that Jesus wasn't real today is really the path of the least resistance. But based on what we've seen today, we we at least have to acknowledge that he was real. And if you acknowledge that Jesus is real, that he really is the word become flesh, well, that can become a little uncomfortable, can't it? It means that Jesus is legitimate. I can't ignore his teachings. I can't ignore his life. I can't ignore his death on the cross. It was C.S. Lewis who said, A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. If Jesus is real, we have to make a decision about Jesus. And the evidence is that Jesus is real, that he is the word become flesh, and we should fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. What choice will you make? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we get to believe in Jesus, that we get to follow him. Uh, We thank you that uh, he was real. We thank you that history attests to the fact that he is real. And he is real because you love this world enough to send your son into this world to become flesh, uh, to die on a cross so that we can be brought into relationship with you. And we praise you for that. Help us, Lord, to live lives that honour you, honour Jesus, and we pray this in his name. Amen.